0: Thank you and thank you Kennedy for leading us um, I went to I went to a black church for about eight years in the South Side Chicago and it took me eight years to get this going <laughs> Minnesota roots go deep I'm just telling you <laughs> Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ginny Olson, and um, I've been a member here for about seven years, and um, I serve on the week four hospitality team, which is serving right now my people. Woo, Joel, thank you. And I'm an elder as well. And so when Edrin asked me this summer if I uh, would preach this Sunday, I I had to chuckle because in Preaching World, the Sunday after Thanksgiving... The Sunday after Christmas and the Sunday after Easter are what's known as Associate Pastor Sunday. Yeah. And uh, since our Associate Pastors are doing double and triple time, we are now down into the Farm League. And uh, (laughs) we've got a new Sunday, uh, and that is Elder Preaching Sunday. So, you got me, folks. You got me. (laughs) So... In all seriousness, I am um, really glad to be here and to bookend what Rose started last week with, with First Thessalonians, uh, the first chapter, and I'm literally doing the last section of the last chapter, and it is a rich uh, group of verses. So, um, God has been faithful, and Rose showed us how. God has just really been faithful to bring us to this point as a church. And throughout history, his faithfulness, and then now even bringing us to this place at Broadway and Aldrich. And so this week we're looking at what is going to come. So remember what God has done. Remember and rejoice in what God, because God is not done yet. So um, as I was preparing... A symbol kept coming to mind, and that is of the sankofa bird from uh, from Ghana. And I don't know if you're familiar with this this bird, this image, but in Akan culture, I hope I'm saying that right. It's this bird is facing forward into the future, but turning its head to remember the past. And that's so much of what First Thessalonians is about, and so much of our story is sanctuary. We are moving forward, but we also have to look back and remember what God has done to get us to this place. Amen, amen. So pray with me if you would. Father, hmm, thank you for a time of worship. We recognize there are places in this world where people are not free to sing loudly to praise you for who you are and so we are we are we think of them we think of our brothers and sisters around the world we pray for them and we are thankful that you are here in our midst so open up your word teach us god in your name amen we've got a lot to learn from this first thessalonians 5 so if you have your bible open it up because we're going to be dipping in and out of these verses um this book, 1 Thessalonians, is the oldest of Paul's letters, very first one he wrote. And um, we uh, Thessalonica at that time was a city full of very real people who were overwhelmed with very real struggles and desperately needed a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And Jesus had changed Paul's life, He had changed Silas's life and uh, had changed Timothy's life, all who are part of this book. Um, Thessalonica had about 200,000 people, Romans, Greeks, Jews, also port city, so temporary home to a lot of sailors, a lot of travelers, a lot of immigrants who had stopped there. It was one of the most influential cities in the first century. Think of Boston, think of Houston, Think of Minneapolis. Think of St. Paul. Um, Gene Green, theologian, put it this way. The Thessalonians were afloat in a sea of great pluralism and confusion. Paul knew. Paul was a strategic thinker, a strategic church planter, and he knew if he planted a church there, in this place where people were coming and going, Immigrants, sailors coming in, going out. He knew if they could plant a church there, the gospel had the opportunity to go around the world. Very strategic. Um, we see what I love about this letter. I mean, if you study Paul's writings, he's got some big ideas. We see that in Romans, we see that in Galatians, we see that in all sorts of places. This is a very real letter you see a lot of him in it. You see his love for God, you see his love for these people. He knows that they're a brand new church, that they're just starting out. He knows that maybe their faith is a little fragile. And so you watch him as he comes alongside of him and he exhorts them. And uh, the best definition I heard of the word exhortation is, it's when somebody puts their arm around your shoulder and loves you, and then kind of gives you a kick in the butt to get you moving forward. And that's what we see in this book, is that Paul comes alongside, loves them, encourages them. Here is God's call on your life. And then we watch him kick in the butt a little bit, going, come on, but keep pushing forward. Keep moving forward. And so we're going to, as we take a look today, we're actually, I'm breaking this uh, section of chapter five down into three sections. Three ships, leadership, fellowship, worship we we'll go old school on that. So well, let's start with leadership, reaching forward. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. I'm sorry, 11 through 13. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Can you hear the exhortation? You're doing this, keep doing this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work and live in peace with each other. We're going to come back to that last sentence. But stepping into leadership, this first point, leadership. As we go through this, I want you to, I'm going to do some hand motions here. Leadership, you're going to go reaching forward. Leadership is a high call, leadership comes with a lot of responsibilities. It's something where you reach forward into it, you step into it. And maybe that's stepping into leadership into royal hood, where you're caring for the shorties, the little ones. Or maybe it's stepping into mosaic. Or maybe we see leaders everywhere. We see leaders in the connection team, we see leaders in the hospitality team, we see leaders on the observation team. We see leaders everywhere, people in sanctuary who have stepped forward into those roles. It's important that we honor them. It's important that we treat them well. The thing with leadership is, it's like you have a target painted on you. And when you step into leadership, you get everything coming at you. So as a church, it's important that we periodically pause and say, let's honor those who have chosen to step into those roles, who have chosen to have a target painted on them, and be criticized, critiqued, and rarely encouraged. And so we pause and say, okay, we wanna thank you for that. We spent October thanking our pastoral staff. We're spending time today thanking some of our other staff. And so I'm gonna call Mark Jensen and Amy up. Um, You guys are here. Mark and Amy are elders, leaders, people willing to step in, people willing to have targets on them. And if you would come on up, and we're going to honor some of our, the rest of our team here at Sanctuary. I don't know where a live mic is.
1: I don't need a live mic. (laughs) We'll get by without that. All right. We are, a couple, uh, several weeks ago, we took some time to honor our pastors. We've got some other leaders that we really appreciate here, and uh, we want to give a big shout-out to them over the next couple weeks. So,
2: Amy. So I would like to ask Andrea, Peter, and Jeremy. Yes, you, Jeremy, in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) To come on up.
1: Come on down.
2: We have just a small token of our appreciation, um, but I really want to exhort you this morning to pray for our pastors and staff. This is a tough time that we're going through in this threshold season. And it's extremely stressful, and it's hard to go to work every day when there's a lot of stress. Um, I don't know if any of you have have experienced that, but I certainly have. And sometimes when you get up in the morning, you just don't want to go. And so I just ask that you would pray for these people. All of them, our pastors and staff, that God would bless them during this season. Just give them an extra sense of um, how much we love them, how much we appreciate that they are here. And uh, you have no idea how much they do for us uh, behind closed doors. And um, I just want you to really, really lift them up in prayer.
1: (laughs) Amen. Andrea, uh, Amy made some special shirts for each of them with their name. You want to open them up and show them off? It says SCC staff. It has their name and then it has a uh, short description of what they do. (laughs) I conduct, I dance, I run. (laughs) All right, thank you so much. And I wanna just remind you, in case you don't know, Jeremy is our director of communications. Everything you see from print to video to online, he looks at. The font the colors, every little thing, everything you see in the building, the administration, the cleanliness, the parking lot, the way people park. Andrea is behind it. How things flow, her fingers are on it. And we're so excited, our newest staff member, Peter, being here to help bring together the music team to worship, to to train and to bring up new leaders and to practice. Thank you so much for all you do. All right, let's say a word of prayer together. Extend your hands with us. Father God, we thank you for leadership that reaches out, that sees beyond, that moves us forward, that sees where we've come from and draws us to where we have not yet been. Mm. Knowing that you are a God of great vision that shows us and takes us into the imagination of the possible through your son. We thank you, Father, for Andrea, for Peter, for Jeremy, and for all our staff and our pastors, and for each person that serves in volunteer ways under these people. God, we thank you for their leadership and their wisdom. In Christ we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness, I love this church. (laughs) Uh, Leadership, praying for them, encouraging them, caring for them, holding them up in the highest honor. Um, Keep that in mind as you reach forward. Maybe God is calling you to step into leadership. Maybe he's calling you to reach forward to pray. But reaching forward into leadership. Second section that we're going to look at is verses 13 through 15, fellowship. Fellowship is the second ship. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Maybe we should have read that before Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Live in peace with each other. Fellowship, reaching across. Being peacemakers is a very active role to play. It is not Minnesota nice, where we smile and nod and go home and vent on Twitter. It is where we roll up our sleeves and get into the mess of things with each other with family, with community, and say, we are about creating peace. Reconciliation work is hard work. And uh, it's interesting, there's a, a theory called negative attribution theory that I have found to be very applicable in times like this. And that is negative and positive attribution. When we first meet someone, we make a judgment within the first 10 seconds about whether we like them or not. Purely based on physicality. Is there something about you I like or is there something about you I don't like? And in that first 10 seconds, our mind is made up. And everything that person does, if I don't like them, everything they do that's quirky, that's odd, all of a sudden I attribute to them as a negative. They're lazy, they're idle. They're this, they're that. Versus if I do like them, immediately everything quirky that I don't understand, I'm like, that's kind of fun. I kind of like that. But here's what happens in this day and age is we see each other and immediately we say, negative, positive, like, dislike. Paul blows this up by saying, live in peace with each other. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. He is saying, do pastoral duties. We talked about leadership, but he is saying, you also have work in the church as pastors. My mentor, Dave Busby, said used to say the phrase, we are Jesus with skin on. Oftentimes, to those who don't know Christ, we are the only Christ that they see. And so that means that we have to step in. We have to reach across. It is up to us to get out there. This summer, during Vacation Bible School, uh, Vida Kent, Nicole Smith, and I walked around the neighborhood. As the little ones were in here doing VBS, we were walking around the neighborhood just praying, praying for our community. And uh, we were right back over there. I remember we had paused. And as we were talking, praying, this young man walked by, did the nod, kept walking. And he was probably 10 steps down that street, and he turned around and came back. And he said, y'all with this church? Yeah, that's us. We're just out here praying. Would you pray for me? And he just crumpled down into a pile. And I just watched as Vita went over and Nicole, and they just prayed for this young man. Folks, I talked about Paul being very strategic in in planting a church in uh, Thessalonica. It is no accident that we are here at Broadway and Aldrich. Some of you have heard me tell the story of um, way back in the day, probably 100 years ago, First Covenant Church in Minneapolis had a sewing circle of women who felt that they wanted to start a little Bible study And so they started it across the street down a couple blocks. And that little Bible study grew and grew and grew to become Broadway Covenant Church. Broadway Covenant Church is where Cub Foods is right now. And as the neighborhood changed, as the church began to decay, they said, We're moving out. And so they moved out to the suburbs. And within a couple of years, they had closed their doors but out of that closing the monies that came from that went to seeding the start of sanctuary so the death of one church fed life into another church and as we and the t- the building team walked around the community prayed we ended up here literally right across the street and in broadway covenant they had a huge wooden arch over the altar that said, be ye reconciled one to another. What is our mission? Being a community of reconciliation. God has a plan for this community. And not only that, so location that way, and I'm going to show my nerd side here. Um, Did some research because I'm like, hmm, where are we located geographically? This is it, Mike? Mike? Right here, we are halfway, literally halfway between the equator and the North Pole. Right here. Right through the middle of our sanctuary. Thank you, fellow nerds who appreciate that. (laughs) I say that, and some just kind of roll their eyes at me. It's like, oh yeah, so? My sense is, God has placed us in a strategic place to reach south, to reach north, to reach east, to reach west. It is no mistake that we are here, folks. We God has us here for a reason. John Stott, theologian, writer, says, no church can spread the gospel with any degree of integrity, let alone credibility, unless it has been visibly changed by the gospel it preaches. So that's our exhortation. Have we been changed by the gospel that we preach? Are we different than a church that's further south, further north, further east, further west? What makes sanctuary special? Excuse me, let me grab some water here. How are we to be Jesus with skin on? Hmm. Thanks. So, fellowship, reaching across... In fact, later on in the chapter, Paul talks about greeting each other with a holy kiss. Not going to make you do that. But in the spirit of reaching out, I'm going to ask that you give each other a holy fist bump. Reach out, holy fist bump. There we go. As I studied it, it said holy kiss basically meant something of warmth and affection, and especially in the season of cold and flu, we'll do holy fist bumps here. So as you as you look around our community, as you pray, again reach forward into leadership, reach across, doing the hard work of peacemaking. How do I look for the best, rather than negative and positive attribution? How do I look for Jesus in this person? How am I Jesus with skin on to this person? What are you calling me to to do the hard work of reaching across? And then the last section. Is reaching is worship, which is we reach up. Starting in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. I love this because you can do quick scripture memorization in, in this book. Rejoice always. Repeat after me. You just memorized scripture. There you go. <laughs> Pray continually. You just memorized two verses. Way to go. <laughs> Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me just pause here, because this is important. Um, When Paul was writing this, Paul and Silas, this is on the heels of Acts 16. If you go back into that, we're not going to do that today, but let me just tell you what was going on. Acts 16, um, Paul and Silas were arrested because, uh, for various reasons, Well, there was a slave girl who became a Christian. She was making money for her masters by doing fortune telling. She became a Christian through Paul and Silas. Her masters got furious and got them thrown in jail. They're in jail. They start praising God. The jail opens up. And the the, um, head of the prison said, come to my house. What is this about you? Through worship. And so Paul is writing this because right after that happens, they go to Thessalonica. So he is writing this where it comes out of his being. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This isn't, I'm sitting on the patio in Greece with a nice little breeze. This is, I have lived this because I have been in prison and I've seen the power of God breaking through in worship. Kennedy, what you did today, just telling your story of the accident, how you worshiped in the midst of a hard time, right? That is what God is telling us. As we are going through hard times, how do we seek to worship him? It is not just songs. It is deep in our being. Um, There's a a story out of Nick Ripkin's book. It's called The Insanity of God. And he tells the story of Aisha and Mahmood. Now, Nick served in the Middle East for a number of years as a missionary. And so he tells this story. It takes place in a city in a large Islamic country. In this city, there was a Western faith-based organization that had operated a medical clinic for years. Most of the population didn't care about the beliefs of the clinic staff. They were just grateful to have good medical help right there. However, there were a few people that were really upset. Muslims that didn't like it. And uh, the most militant, the most outspoken, lived right across the the street from the clinic, a few doors down from the local mosque. And Mahmoud would stand outside his door, and as everybody was going uh, to service, he would start just saying things about the medical team. They're trying to poison you. They're trying to take your money. They're evil. He hated these Western medical missionaries. He felt like they were poisoning people with their lies. He would stir up the crowd and accuse them of all sorts of different kinds of evil. Now later, Mahmoud contracted inoperable cancer. His neighbors he, and his former customers of his shop quit coming because they thought he might be contagious. But the Christian medical staff across the street came over and they would check on him. They would buy groceries from his store so they could stay in business. They would care for him. They'd ask about his health and they would let him know, we are praying for you. This confounded him after so many years of vitriol and hateful words. He didn't know what to do. As time went on, His heart was softened by the love that was shown him, and he gradually began to listen to the gospel. His youngest wife, Aisha, watched as they cared for him. Even at the very end, they helped wash his body. And just before he passed away, he and Aisha both made a decision to become followers of Jesus. After her husband passed away, Aisha began telling her friends and her family about Jesus. Some listened, some warned her that she shouldn't talk this way. But she didn't stop. And finally, the authorities took notice. And even though this was a country that didn't typically arrest women, they arrested her. And instead of putting her in a regular jail cell, they threw her in the dank, dark cellar underneath the police office. And where there were rats and spiders, and all sorts of creepy crawly things. And it was pitch black, and she was terrified. She tells a story. She said, I was at the point of giving up, and she opened her mouth to scream. But instead of a protest to God, out came a song of praise. She was surprised. She was strengthened by the sound of her own voice. She was overwhelmed by a sense of God's presence beside her, And within her. And as she began to praise him with even more and more strength and joy, the policeman upstairs grew strangely quiet. Later that night, the chief of police himself opened the trap door of the cellar and pulled her out. And he said, I'm going to release you. Aisha thought, This is a trap. This is not up, this is no good. And suspected that he wanted to get her into more trouble when he she reminded him that women are not allowed on the streets alone at night he said i will personally escort you home and then he said i don't understand my wife and my daughters are afraid of everything but you are not afraid of anything i will let you go on this one condition that in three days you will come to my home And you will tell my whole family why you are not afraid. And I want you to sing that song. So folks, as you are going through hard times, praise God, learn to rejoice, learn to worship Him in the good times and the bad. Have those scriptures in your mind You're facing a boss, a family member, a neighbor, whatever it is, whoever it is, and go back and, okay, rejoice always. Pray continually. Reach up. They've actually done studies where they said when you reach your arms up like this in praise, it calms your soul down. It calms the anxiety. Something about the air in your lungs, who knows why. But there is something about reaching up that soothes the anxiety. Paul knew it as he talked to this very anxious young church. God knows it today. So God is calling us as a church. God is calling us forward into leadership. He is calling us to reach across into fellowship. He is calling us up for worship. I want you to take just a few seconds, a few minutes, as the worship team comes up, And I'm going to ask you to reflect on what is God calling you to in this community? Is he calling you to step in, reach across, reach up? Just take a few minutes. And in the quietness, seek God. And as we draw the silence to a close, I just want to point out, fellowship, leadership, worship, none of these are cruise ships, folks. (laughs) They don't insulate us from hard times. But they do give us the strength to pursue some amazing things that God has for our church here and for the church around the world. Amen.
2: Again,